to episode 21 of Inside the Arc. I am Alec Bussey, joined by Brandon Simberg in a sunny champagne for the first time in a while. Brandon, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. You know, we got a busy week ahead, Alec. We got two podcasts this week, two very interesting and smart guests, and three basketball games. So March is right around the corner. So we got to start getting ready for uh, a lot of games in a short amount of days. How are you doing today? I, I know you got to enjoy the weather outside. I'm jealous. I did. Yeah. I decided to go for a run for the first time in a couple of months. I'm going to try and make that a little bit of a habit, I guess, for maybe for my mental health with how busy March is going to be to quote John Rossi and we sleep in May. Uh, but yeah, no, I enjoyed the weather and I'm enjoying covering the Illinois basketball team right now. They've really started to maybe find their groove a little bit and we'll be happy to talk about that with uh, former Illini Trent Meacham. Trent, of course, played for the Illini from 2006 to 2009, um, played in two NCAA tournaments under Bruce Weber. During his Illinois career, Trent averaged about 8.4 points a game, and he uh, played professionally overseas after his Illini career. He now lives in the Champaign area and is uh, part of the rotation of color commentators for the Illini basketball games with the Learfield network of radio stations. He also participates on WCIA Channel 3's Fast Break basketball coverage on Sunday nights. A lot of times that is with Marlene Weirda or Brett Behrens. They do a great job recapping the Illini games in the week. And, uh, of course, if you're looking for Trent on Twitter, he can be found at Trent Meacham. So here we go to the interview with Trent Meacham. All right. Uh, so, Trent, how you doing today? And thanks for coming on. I'm doing great. We were just saying the weather's improving in Champaign. Last week of February, Illinois basketball is playing great. So I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. So before we dive into this team, we just kind of wanted to, uh, I guess, ask you a few questions about your playing days at Illinois. Um, as a Champaign native, what does it mean to be able to, I assume, play for your favorite team growing up? <laughs> yeah, for me growing up here, I mean, that that's some of my earliest memories, going to the assembly hall, watching guys like Kiwan Garris, you know, on to Matt Hellman, Kevin Turner. You might be too young for these guys. You know, then you get into Frank Williams, Corey Brad for that group. Um, so that's those are some of my best and earliest memories. Obviously, it was always a dream to wear the orange and blue, play for Illinois, and uh, just feel very grateful to be able to experience it. And, uh, you know, it's fun to be back in this community now and with a team that's on the rise and playing great. Um, so, yeah, just feel very fortunate and uh, grateful to have that opportunity to represent my hometown team. You guys had some success in your time there. Do you have like a favorite memory or favorite game or a couple that you kind of want to share? Yeah, you know, my in my time, I came there right on the heels of their final four in 0405. I registered that next year. We had a very good team, but uh, was able to practice, you know, against D Brown, James Augustine, those guys for a season. And then that following year, we had a uh, it was a tough season, but we, we snuck into the NCAA tournament. Uh, really defended well, but but lost in the first round to Virginia Tech team that we were up by quite a bit there in the second half. And then really my junior year was a was a real struggle. I remember getting booed off the court. We had a lot of injuries. We had uh, some off the court issues. And then re to rebound, headed into my senior year to finish second in the Big Ten with really a team that wasn't that talented I think I may have had the best pro career of anyone. And that, I don't know what that says. I mean, <laughs> I think I had a decent pro career, but we had no NBA talent. Um, and at the Big Ten, to compete in the Big Ten, to finish second in the league, I thought was a great accomplishment. So just how we finished, uh, it was really, uh, I think, kind of a, a, a Bruce Weber uh, type of team that played very well together, defended well, uh, took care of the ball. 
Um, so that was a, a really fun season. Personally, in terms of games that stuck out, um, you know, those run the gamut. But I, I always just really enjoyed playing the bragging rights game. And I think that atmosphere is almost unmatched anywhere in college basketball to have, you know, it really broke down 50, 50. Uh, I'm three and zero in that game as a player. So, and, and, and had some good games. So those are some really fond memories of mine. I was just telling you, my wife's from that area, uh, from Belleville, Illinois, right there by St. Louis. So it was just kind of a special moment right there before Christmas that uh, I was always excited to play those games. And when you can finish your career with, with, you know, bragging rights for life, that's a, a pretty good thing as well. No, that's definitely a huge thing. And like growing up near that area too, I understand how big that rivalry is. And I think a lot of my friends that are here don't understand how big that rivalry is being from the Chicagoland area. Yeah, but Brandon, you got to get Alec up on the, the, the history of basketball in his, in his uh, area. We were just going over that. So uh, next time we can talk about that. All right. <laughs> all right. That's a deal. I'm down for a history lesson. Anyway, okay. I was, I was looking at these rosters that you played on and I think a name that really popped out to me was Jeff Jordan. Obviously, he didn't have a huge Illinois career, but his dad, of course, Michael Jordan, came to a few games and was decked out in Illini polos or Illini apparel. What was it like to be able to play in front of Michael Jordan at, at the Assembly Hall at the time or even out in Maui? That is a name that pops out, right? You know, I'm not someone who's really gets starstruck, I guess you'd say, you know, these are human beings. Everybody's got their flaws. Everyone has their insecurities. I don't care who you are, but, uh, but meeting, meeting MJ was, was pretty special, uh, you know, growing up, especially in Illinois, following the bulls, he was bigger than, you know, larger than life. So that was pretty cool getting to meet him. And uh, yeah, a little bit different looking over in the stands and seeing, seeing Jordan there watching. I can remember uh, Etwan Moore just going bonkers on us, scored like 20 straight in the second half. Uh, with Jordan in attendance, and, and we lost that game. I remember that. But, uh, you know, speaking of Jeff Jordan, he was, uh, you know, I wouldn't uh, envy being in his shoes, especially as an aspiring basketball player, but he handled everything really well, was very down to earth, uh, was a great teammate, practiced hard, worked hard. Uh, so, yeah, he was, a, he was a great teammate, and you would have never have known that his dad was the best basketball player ever, uh, just in how he carried himself. But he had some game, too. He was a terrific athlete. Um, so that was, yeah, it was a cool uh, memory. I appreciate you bringing that back up. All right. So speaking of basketball history, I'm going to put you on the spot here pretty early in the podcast. Uh -oh. Is is his dad the GOAT? Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is he the best <laughs> player of all time? Or is it LeBron? You know, that's a great debate. And I, I don't know if there's a wrong answer. Okay. I don't think you can go wrong with either one. I don't know if LeBron was ever as dominant as MJ was there for a span of a, a few years. Uh, nobody won on MJ's watch, okay? But you have to account for the longevity. And what Le LeBron's done, I think, is unmatched. His title in Cleveland was, uh, you know, probably one of the greatest, you know, just to think of everything, coming back to his hometown team, uh, coming back from being down one to three, uh, the the team that he defeated in the Golden State Warriors, I mean, uh, that would maybe go down as one of the best titles in the history of the NBA, and and to see him still doing it at his at his level at what thirty six years old, I believe. So, if I'm gonna get off easy, I don't think you can go wrong with either either one. 
Uh, LeBron's still playing, so my answer would be let let him at least finish his career uh, before uh, you know we give that answer. I'm on the LeBron train, but that's largely just because I've never seen Jordan play in person, and I like you said, LeBron's longevity to me is just unmatched and something that maybe isn't appreciated as much as it should be. But you watched the last dance, right? You got a little bit of a taste of of course, yeah, what he I did for the that. game. You know, it's interesting too, playing overseas for a number of years and a number of my teammates, you know, the 92 Olympics, that's what really sparked basketball internationally. I think, you know, that the games being held there in in Barcelona and how big, uh, you know, they were movie stars, Jordan, uh, Magic Johnson, those guys. And that really helped, um, I think, foster uh, a, a love for basketball amongst, especially in Europe. And I know some of my teammates, you know, would go back to that team and saying, yeah, I remember it. That's what made me want to try out basketball. So what he, what Jordan did to the game, did for the game, uh, you know, the time he came around and uh, his impact is, uh, is pretty darn special. But LeBron, you know, is, is doing equally, if not greater things off the court and with his impact as well. So it's, it's pretty cool just thinking about what they've been able to, to do both on and off the court. So shifting focus, I guess, a little bit to this year's team. We've seen them rattle off now, I think, seven straight wins. Looking at this winning streak, what's your biggest takeaway from it, I guess? Well, it's tough. I, they found different ways to win games. Uh, they haven't looked great in some games. Uh, Kofi and Io have been, I think, uh, you talk about consistency. I mean, they've been consistently consistent very, very good. Uh, so that's been really impressive. Um, that Minnesota game was, they were just uh, elite at all levels uh, across the board. Uh, I, I think a big key for the team is Trent Frazier uh, playing consistently, you know, providing a, um, a scoring punch, you know, aside from Io and Kofi. Uh, I think their, their defense has been very, very impressive at moments. And for me, if they can really defend and rebound, then they can get out and transition, you know, then I think they're scary good uh, when they do those two things in terms of def- defending and rebounding. So uh, it's, it's just been fun to watch and it's going to get tougher. So uh, I don't put too much stock in any one game, even looking at that Minnesota game, which we're on the heels of, I think Illinois is just a, a really bad matchup for Minnesota and they were hobbled as well. So, uh, but that was fun to watch. And I'm just really excited about seeing them uh, here down the stretch. So as someone who's played high-level basketball before, can you kind of explain like how hard is it to win seven games in conference in a row, regardless of the opponent? Well, and you look at the, the strength of the Big Ten this year. You know, from top to bottom, it's really, really strong. Um, I think sometimes coaches can, you know, give a little bit too much credit to, yeah, Northwestern fights. Yeah, they, they can do some things. Same with Nebraska. You know, these are Division One players. Their, their coaches are getting paid, you know, handsomely to, to scout you and take away what you do best. But, you know, if you have the two best players on the court just about every night out, and no matter who they play this year, you can make a very good argument that Io is the best guard, Kofi's the best big on the floor. I mean, that's not a bad place to start. So I don't want to take away the seven games in a row because it's really impressive, especially in the gauntlet that this season's Big Ten can be. But, man, when you have those two pillars, you know, both inside and outside, 
it's a, it's a really great place to start from. Uh, then if you can have some cohesiveness, some connectedness, you know, defensively, you have a few other players making shots, you know, now look out because this team's very dangerous. So, um, yes, you know, it, it is, it is very impressive, Brandon. Um, and, uh, you know, they haven't played again. This is what I come back to with this team though. They have yet to beat a physical you know, a big physical team, teams that are aggressive, teams that have length, especially on the, the perimeter and the wings have given them trouble. So, look, I'm as high on this team. I think they can win a national championship. I really do. Um, and I think I know they can beat a team like this, but I want to see them beat Ohio State. You know, I thought Minnesota punished them. I thought uh, Maryland, Ohio State. When I looked at all their lo- their losses, not Minnesota, I'm sorry, Missouri, um, I thought really uh, was just uh, tougher than them. And so those are the teams. I'm kind of getting away from just your seven-game win streak. But they haven't faced one of those teams in this stretch. So for me, that's what I'm really excited about, seeing them play against Ohio State again, seeing them play against Michigan. Michigan has, you know, when I think of uh, Franz Wagner and Isaiah Livers, here's Sean D. Brown. These are athletic physical wings that has caused this team trouble and really what if there's any missing piece it's it's that physicality um you know at the three and four position which this Illinois team doesn't doesn't have because if you take away Kofi Coburn they're really they're they're pretty much they're a smaller team in terms of the lineups they typically play and uh you know, they, they can maybe get punished on the boards a little bit and teams that really kind of make a wall can, uh, can cause thing can cause it, make it, just make it tougher on I and others getting into the lane. So I'm glad you brought up the Nebraska and Northwestern because, you know, like you said, Brad and I after the game had, had good things to say about those teams, but I don't play in the big 10, so I don't need to be political. I don't think those teams were very good. And I was kind of concerned with, how they let teams like that hang around and how at times they dig themselves a hole and aren't able to, to dig out of it. You know, I look at the Ohio state game. I think that was a stretch where they weren't necessarily playing their best ball for 40 minutes and trying to flip the switch. And my biggest concern is that they're going to get to March. They're going to get into the tournament and they're not gonna be able to flip the switch against a tournament caliber team. Do you think that's a fair concern right now? When in a single elimination tournament, there's always a fair concern that you play against a capable opponent that anybody can win on any given night, whether they're making shots or whether it's just it's just a, an unfavorable matchup. And and that's kind of what I go back to is is some of these teams that um, kind of build build a wall on defense that use their length, use their physicality. Those teams um, have caused them some trouble. So I think it's really good for. Uh, this ball club to be facing, okay, Ohio State, to be facing uh, Michigan here coming down the stretch. I think even Michigan State, I don't think they're a great team, but Michigan State always plays uh, aggressive. They're always physical. They have some athletic wings. So I think those are good, will be good tests uh, for this ball club to get them prepared for the tournament because, you know, coming through this Big Ten season, you should be prepared for just about anyone um, in the in the NCAA tournament. And outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, who I both think are terrific, um, it's wide open for anyone. So one of the things I have been encouraged about is that at times, especially during this win streak, they've looked like a team close to that Gonzaga-Baylor level, at least on that next tier. You know, they 
crushing Minnesota at the barn is certainly an accomplishment. And you look at the second half of that Northwestern game and even playing with Baylor for 30 minutes and being in that game. But what do you think is kind of holding them back from playing like that more consistently? Well, consistency is, is, is key. I mean, anybody can turn on uh, for, you know, a few minutes or, or for even a game. Uh, but they've shown they can do that when you think of what they did against Minnesota, both games. Um, even the recent game against Northwestern, I thought the first 10 minutes, they were really good on both ends of the floor. But uh, if, you, if you think about, okay, getting to a Final Four, you got to win four in a row. You're going to face some different matchups. Um, you know, is, Io's not going to go for 30 every night. Uh, what if Kofi gets in some foul trouble? Um, you, you're going to have to have consistency in that regard. You want to win a national championship. Well, that's, there's six in a row. Okay. Can you do it six times in a row against increasingly, increasingly good competition? Um, that's going to be tough, but I think for them to be more consistent, I think it all, you know, it all starts on, on defense. You know, can you be really stingy? Can this team be very stingy, tough defensively um, rebound the ball because then that, that, that allows you to get in transition, get easy buckets. Um, I think Kofi's been such a key defense. He's been so good on defense, I think. He's been improved ball handling, you know, in, in the ball screens, defending those. Um, even getting up a little bit higher against certain teams where they have good guards. Uh, he doesn't foul. I mean, he's rarely in foul trouble, which is uh, just – incredible for such a young player when it comes to how, how, how new he is to the game of basketball and at his size is, is very impressive. So that's, that's where you can be consistent defense on defense. And then, you know, I look at rebounding too, just playing with great energy. You know, I think a, a way to kind of gauge how's Adam Miller playing oftentimes is he, is he rebounding the ball? Same thing with Georgie, same thing with DeMonte. Are those guys get hitting the boards? That's a great kind of barometer of the, uh, their intensity, their energy, and those two things, I come back to those two things as bringing consistency uh, because then, you know, offense is going to kind of come and go, but uh, you do those things, you're able to get out in transition. That just allows you to more easy buckets and kind of can get you going offensively. So it's clear that this team's goal is to win the Big Ten or at least get a share of the Big Ten, I guess. For that to happen, what do you think Illinois needs to do in terms of handling their own business down these last four or five games down the stretch, most of them obviously being on the road? Well, you know, I'm still kind of in player mode, so I, I, I don't even look at the schedule too far in advance, but I know you have – I know you're finishing on the road, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio State. Is that right? So yeah. then before then you have Michigan State, Nebraska, two teams kind of at the bottom. I think first and foremost – you can't look past those games. Okay. You, you got to handle these games right away. Um, and then you can't worry about what's Michigan doing. Michigan's ahead, ahead of you. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't, you didn't get that game when you were supposed to earlier in February, uh, which is disappointing. But um, so you just have to, you have to handle your business and you have to take it one game at a time. I know that's kind of coach speak. It's uh, cliche, but that's what you have to do as a player let the results kind of take care of themselves. You know, if Michigan wins it out, I don't know how the big 10 is going to handle things, but one game at a time, you're going to have your crack at Michigan. You're going to have your crack at Ohio state again, take care of business. And I think those things will play out and uh, you go from there. So I guess keeping it along those same kind of lines here, Brandon and I were talking last night about, I guess what only maybe needs to do to get up to the one line and the NCAA tournament, because I think they're pretty clearly on the two line right now. Um, what, what do you think the path is to getting 
oh, that maybe fourth one seed, maybe third one seed if possible. You went out, you're in, you're in great position. You know, you're probably competing with Ohio State and Michigan uh, right now, probably the two biggest competitors for another one seed. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest key is one, two, does it really matter? I don't think so as long as you're not in Baylor or Gonzaga's bracket. I mean, that's what I would hope for if you want to see this team make a Final Four run. Yes, they can beat Baylor. Yes, they can beat Gonzaga. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but I would prefer, if I'm playing, I'd prefer to be out of their bracket. Uh, it's a little bit more open. And, uh, again, it kind of gets back to winning the Big Ten one game at a time. Handle your business against Michigan State. Handle your business against Nebraska. If you lose one of these games – don't let that affect the next game. Get right back to it because they could lose another game, I think, and still be a one seed. Um, but, you know, I, I'm the last guy that looks at all the all the analytics, all the records, and who's done this and who who's done that, who's beat this team. And, uh, you know, I probably still approach it kind of as a player, just like, hey, what can I, what can I do? What business – how do I get, handle my business best? Let's take care of that one game at a time. And then, uh, you know, if you're playing your best basketball – then coming into March, that's really what you want. Who knows about the Big Ten tournament either? Uh, <laughs> getting on that, I don't, I don't think they should be playing it. You know, if I'm Illinois, I, I don't know. I'm just you're going on. A, you're playing a ton of games here coming up in the next couple of weeks. I don't want to run my team ragged I, and uh, be fresh, both uh, not just physically but also mentally heading there into the NCAA tournament. I think that, that's a really fair point about the Big Ten tournament. You know, that's really that's been a point of discussion across the NCAA. You know, I, and I look at a te- teams like Gonzaga and Baylor, and I don't really see why they would play in those tournaments at all. I mean, th- those teams have one seeds locked up, so it'll be interesting to see what teams end up doing with that. But I think it was also a very good point about trying to avoid Gonzaga and Baylor because, like we've talked about on this podcast, and like you've mentioned. I really think after those two teams, there's just a large chunk of teams that can beat anyone. And if you're Illinois, I think you got to feel good about where I, th- I think you got to feel good about your draw if you don't see one of those two teams. Yeah, and and even if you see those teams, it's like man, you got you got Kofi Coburn inside. He's you know he's as intimidating of a guy as college basketball has seen in a number of years. Io DeSumo is arguably the national player of the year, so. I like my chances against anybody, but there's no question those two teams are, the, are at the top. Michigan has been very impressive to me, too. I think they're right on their heels. I love the makeup of that team. I love how they pass the ball. Uh, they got just a great balance throughout. Hunter Dickinson, to me, is he, he plays like a senior. Uh, so they're a fun team to watch. I think they're right there with Gonzaga and Baylor, potentially. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun here just finishing up the Big Ten season. I think it'll prepare Illinois heading into the NCAA tournament. So we already talked about one of the biggest basketball debates earlier in MJ versus LeBron. Now I'm going to bring up the second one. Our arguments, Io. Yes. Yes. <laughs> where, where do you stand on this debate? Look, if, if Luca's the national player of the year, I'm, you know, I'm not up in arms about that. I don't think that's a bad call. I mean, he's had a terrific career and season. Um, I do think, he has probably the lead just because he almost had that, you know, he was almost penciled in before the season began. And then he started so strongly that it was like, well, it's just a foregone conclusion. Um, I don't think you could go wrong with Luca. 
I do think Io is not right, just right there. I, I think he might be. Personally, I, I would probably put Io there at the top spot. Um, when you think about how he makes his teammates better, how he plays both ends of the floor, um, the kind of the trajectory of, of Illinois versus Iowa, I think that's something to keep in, keep in mind. How do these two teams finish? I mean, if Iowa run, you know, wins out, Luca's scoring thirty, uh, that could push him above. Uh, but I just love what Iowa's done. Um, what he does on both ends, you know, you to think of him having two triple doubles in four games when there had been two triple doubles prior to Io DeSumo in the history of Illinois basketball. I mean, that's just crazy. And uh, just how he's, I think not just his play, but his, his mindset, his confidence, his uh, mental toughness is really, um, I think, bringing this entire team along. And so for my money, I'd go with Iowa, but um, I'm not just an Illini guy that's going to say, you know, you're crazy if you pick Luca Garza because he's had a heck of a season and I was still a very good team. So uh, that's fun. And it'll be, it'll, that's another thing to kind of keep in mind here, heading down to the stretch of the season. You're playing for a big 10 title, you're playing for seeding, but you'd also love to see your guy Io uh, win player of the year. I liked how coach Underwood kept him in the game to allow him to get that 10th rebound against Minnesota. Sure. He could have taken him out early. You don't want to want him to get hurt, but I think that's a, that's a big deal getting another triple double. So from a coach that kind of speaks to, Hey, I want you to excel individually. I want to promote you. I want to help you reach your goals. And so I thought that was just a great uh, kind of gesture from coach Underwood to keep him in the game there. Trent, I wanted to go back to something you said. You felt like Michigan was nipping on the heels of Baylor and Gonzaga. And I've been thinking about it. I haven't really said this to anyone, so it's the first time I've said it. The way they played Sunday against Ohio State really kind of made me think that too. And I know if you're looking at like the Kempom adjusted overall efficiency numbers, there's still about a four-point gap between Baylor and Michigan. But the way that they play together is just so impressive to me. Their, their sum is so much greater than their parts. And I think that is what really makes Michigan so successful. The parts are pretty dang good too. I mean, I, I just really like the makeup of their team. Uh, you know, Mike Smith was a big time scorer and how he facilitates the ball, but across the board, they're great passers. Um, and they, and they fit so well together. You know, I mentioned Isaiah livers and Franz Wagner, both are, versatile, athletic, long wings, I think NBA caliber players. Um, those are tough matchups for Illinois. Shawnee Brown, another physical, great defender. He's a tough matchup. I love how uh, Eli Brooks uh, slides in there. He's a good defender, shooter, slasher. Um, and then Hunter Dickinson, man, he's uh, – so all these pieces um, are really good. But as you said, there, there's some might be better than those parts because they pass the ball so well. I thought – I haven't seen Gonzaga play a ton. Um, I've seen Baylor play a little bit, you know, in a month or so. They're a great passing team. Baylor reminds me of 0405 Illini, in fact. I think they're very, very good. I think they're deeper than that team. I don't think they have a Darren Williams, but when you think of they got multiple guys that can go create a shot, can can uh, make plays. Uh, they have athletic bigs. Uh, they're fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, getting back to Michigan, I was so impressed with their passing um, against Ohio State yesterday. And that's a that's not just Mike Smith. That's everyone on that team. Hunter Dickinson, again, 
his feel for the game, his footwork, his touch, his ability to, to pass a ball um, is really impressive. It'd be impressive for, for a senior, let alone a freshman. So, yeah, you know, I'm just, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of their team in terms of watching them play. It's, it's a, it's a great, just brand. It's a, a basketball. It's a, it's beautiful basketball. And uh, man, that game against Illinois is going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy you mentioned that Baylor kind of reminds me of that 0405 Illinois team. Cause when I was doing game prep for that game all the way back in, I guess early December, I think December 2nd was that game. I was just like looking at their roster and watching film. Like this team moves the ball, like D Darren and Luther used to move it around the perimeter and just doesn't stick. And they're always seeming to find the open shot. So I'm happy you said that it makes me feel a little bit smarter about my basketball IQ, I guess. <laughs> they're good, man. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. I, I know Scott drew. I'm, I'm a fan of Scott Drew. Um, he recruited me there at Baylor his first week on campus. And what he's done to that program is that's one of the best turnarounds in the history of college sports. And so uh, if Illinois doesn't win it this year, I'm rooting for Baylor just because of uh, my admiration, admiration for Scott Drew. And I love the way they play. They're tough. They defend. Um, and yeah, they, they're, they have some shades of that 0405 Illini, uh, just how they share the ball, shoot it, um, the, the energy they play with. And man, I'm, I'm excited to talk, whether it's talking about Baylor, uh, Michigan, obviously Illinois and what we can do here to finish the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, we expected to have you on talking Illinois, but here we are talking Baylor and Michigan. And th- this is why we have you on. I'm a fan of good basketball. So, uh, you know, when I watch some of these teams play, it's like, you know, I enjoy watching them. I enjoy watching Iowa. Uh, they don't defend at all, but but they're fun to watch on offense. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the the Illini guy that's going to just hate on every player and every team that's not um, wearing orange and blue. You know, I'm a big fan of EJ Liddell, you know, from your uh, from your neck of the woods, Alec, you know, and, and I know I know because he kind of represents the, the 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 picture perfect player that would just fit in so nicely with this team. Um but I don't hate the kid because he chose a different school and he's fun to watch and I'm, I'm happy for his success. Um, but of course, you know, I'm rooting for Illinois and, and, uh, but it, it's, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of good basketball. Um, and, and especially teams that pass the ball. When I look at college basketball, I think, I think the skill of passing and just understanding spacing, uh, moving without the ball, are, is really, really lacking. So the teams like Michigan, like Baylor, like Gonzaga, those teams are the very best, I think, in terms of how they pass the ball. You know, Illinois against Michigan. Um, you know, Brad Underwood's always talking about all these guys are elite passers. I don't I don't buy that. Um, I think Io DeSumo is a really good passer. I think Andre Corbello has terrific vision and could be, you know, just an incredible passer. But by and large, I don't think this Illinois team is a great passing team. And that's why I love seeing 27 assists to 10 turnovers, I think, against Minnesota. I mean, I, I love watching that. I mean, to me, that's just fun to watch. Um, and I think that's what uh, – that's another thing that I think can separate this Illinois team. And I think what Iowa has done so well recently, I thought at the end of last season, he was a really good playmaker and facilitator and – and it, well, I don't think it was just him, but I don't, I didn't feel he was doing that as, as well early on in this season. And some of that was, they could just focus on him more because you don't have Alan Griffin, you don't have Andres Feliz. Uh, but in recent weeks, um, his triple doubles are evident of that. Uh, I think his, his ability to, to spread the ball around 
and to, to make plays for others is what I think that's taken Illinois to another level. And when you think of their, their best wins recently, when you look at how they played against Wisconsin, obviously how they just dismantled Minnesota, I think it's in large part because of how IO found his teammates. So Trent, I, I only have one more. Oh, go ahead, Brendan. Well, I think this is the first time in the history of our podcast that someone else brought up EJ Liddell and not Alec. So we're making history today on Inside the Arc. <laughs> EJ is like my dude. Like we're close in age. I remember watching him play when he was in high school and I was just, he's like, you know, if you're like going into 2K and you're building a player, like you build a six foot seven kid who can shoot it from the perimeter a little bit, good athlete, can defend. Like he can just do everything on the court and he doesn't do anything wrong, in my opinion. He just, he's so talented at what he does. You know, I got a, um, you know, I mentioned to you, my brother-in-law played at St. Louis University. He's from Belleville, but um, him and Tommy Liddell from East St. Louis, I got to believe they're related somehow, but they were uh, two of the better players there at, at SLU for a while, two of the better players at in Atlanta, in the Atlantic 10 conference for a number of years. So I don't know EJ, but you know, I'm, I'm down in that area quite a bit, as I mentioned, cause my wife's from there and uh, you know, I just, so it's, it's kind of a second home and supportive of players that come out of there and doing well. Um, and also yeah, I, I have uh, I have a number of former Buckeyes that are just good friends, some guys that I was teammates with. So, you know, if, if there's another big 10 team that I don't mind seeing doing what see do well, uh, it it might be Ohio State. Anyway, I've got one more. Brandon might have one after this, but March is just about a week or so away. Tournament's a couple of weeks away, of course. But as someone with NCAA tournament experience and Big Ten tournament experience, what's the biggest challenge that this Illinois team's going to face? That's a great question. You know, I think one thing that they have going for them is that they've lost a lot of games. You know, I'm talking about in their careers. Trent Frazier he lost a ton of games his freshman, sophomore year. Ayo Desumu lost a ton. Okay. DeMonte's lost many, many games. And I think that gives them, um, they're not entitled. I don't think that you don't just show up in your, uh, a top two seed in the NCAA tournament every year, or you don't just show up and you, you have uh, big 10 title aspirations and you're in, you're right there in the, in the thick of it at the end of the season. So, I think that's really good for them. You could say, well, they haven't had experience in the, in the NCAA tournament. Well, you know, nobody's had experience in the NCAA tournament with, without any fans or 25% fancy. It's going to be a little bit different for everyone stepping out there. Um, additionally, so many teams are young. Baylor, which is really good. They didn't play in the NCAAs last year. So uh, I think that's maybe really good for them that they haven't had that success. And getting back to your question, <laughs> which was – what could help them or here getting into tournaments or what, what do they need to? Um... Yeah, I guess just like what their biggest challenge is because they haven't played in a tournament and none of these players have experience doing it. And really Brad Underwood hasn't coached in a tournament since I guess it would have been the 2016, 2017, 2017 tournament with Oklahoma state. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think it's, you got to stick to what you do. Well, who are you as a team? Um, and, and then just, and enjoy it. You know, it, it might sound simple. It might sound elementary, but Hey, here you are. This is what you've been working so long for. Uh, this is what you've sacrificed, uh, spending time with family, seeing family, seeing friends, uh, look, college basketball, college athletics, you sacrifice a lot, but these guys have probably sacrificed more than any, uh, you know, group in, that I know of. 
because of everything. And now here you are at the end of the season, uh, you're playing in the single elimination tournament. That can be a lot of pressure. And I think the biggest thing is kind of let loose and enjoy it, have fun, uh, play to your strengths. Uh, you do that, you know, this team's going to be in pretty good shape. You do that, you let loose, you play your best, you play your hardest, you lose a game, it's disappointing, but uh, you can you can move on from that. You try to uh, play pretty. You try to uh, not make mistakes. You try to play perfect. Uh, that's not a good recipe. Let loose, have fun, and play to your strengths. And, man, you know, when you think about your strengths, I own Kofi, you can lean on those guys. Other players just need to play with energy, um, take shots with confidence. Uh, they have a great chance of, of beating anyone. So we didn't really preview the Michigan State game or talk about Michigan State. You know, we wanted to talk about Illinois with you, but this will this podcast will go up before the Michigan State game, and we typically like to ask our guests for predictions. So Tuesday night in East Lansing, who you got? Oh, man, I haven't seen Michigan State play a whole lot. I saw a little bit of their game against Indiana, and it looked like Indiana was handily beating them. And the next thing I know it, they're up, you know, seven or eight points and go on to win. Uh, so I think they're on the up, but I like Illinois. I like Illinois, uh, let's say 72 to 65. I, I think I uh, just love the way this team's playing. I don't think they have any answer for, especially for Kofi. And, uh, you know, I like to see Illinois roll, but Michigan State will give them a tougher test than Minnesota for sure. And I think uh, uh, even some of their athleticism on the wing could cause them a little bit of uh, problem. So, uh, should be another good game. You know, Big Ten battle, you can't look ahead. You got to take care of business. And uh, that's never easy winning in East Lansing. So uh, we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Thanks for coming on, Trent. I definitely learned a lot, and I love some of your uh, expertise on the NCAA tournament. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. Uh, it should be a lot of fun finishing the season. So thanks for having me. Thank nice you. Time. Once again, a special thank you to uh, Trent Meacham for joining us today on Inside the Arc. If you're looking for him on Twitter, once again, his handle is at Trent Meacham. Brandon, before we get out of here and plug some work and whatnot, let's give our picks for the Illinois Michigan State game. Who are you picking, Brandon, and why? So Illinois is a six-point favorite on Bartorvik, but I'm actually going with Michigan State outright. And if you follow me on Twitter, you know I haven't been high on Michigan State all year. I had them like seventh in the preseason in the Big Ten. I didn't put them in my top 25. I haven't bonded this team once. I don't think they're very good. But for Michigan State, this is like a kitchen sink game. Like this is you got to throw everything out at Illinois. It's not win or don't make the tournament because they have other games they can they can win to to get themselves in the picture. But you know, they were they were down big to Indiana on Saturday or on Sunday, whatever day that game was. And then they flipped the switch and they turned it around. And if they lost that Indiana game, I like the season would have been over. So it feels like a kind of destiny thing. And I think they'll keep it going. Matchup wise, they don't have anyone to stop Kofi. I I'm gonna concede that. Like that's gonna be a problem for them. But length on the wings has bothered Illinois. And Aaron Henry is a really good perimeter defender. Rocket Watts is long. Gabe Brown is long. I just – and Illinois, it's hard to win eight in a row. Like, I know I picked against them – and I know I picked Minnesota against them. And, hey, if Illinois keeps winning, uh, maybe I just keep picking against them until they're playing Gonzaga. But, um, yeah, I think that Michigan State, team of destiny, I can see it now. 
my Twitter timeline filled with Tom Izzo, Mr. March getting ready. The Spartans are back, blah, 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 all that. So that is my Michigan state case. And Alec, I know that pick surprised you and I'm not going to lie. It surprised me. I didn't hop on the zoom expecting to pick Michigan state. Well, it's just funny to me because you go like very first podcast. I think we do. You're like Michigan state's not finishing in the top four of the big 10. I'm like, Whoa, like, okay. And then you're like, Michigan State shouldn't be ranked after like the third week of games. And then they lose Northwestern. You're like, this team sucks. Why are like, why did we think they were good? And I just picking them to be like, in my opinion, like Illinois is like clear, like top five, top seven team in the country right now by all metrics. I think that's pretty fair to say. And you're just picking them to beat Illinois. And I get it. Kitchen, kitchen sink argument. Michigan State's playing for their life. They still have a chance to make the NCAA tournament with all the games that they have left. I think they have one against Illinois, one against Indiana still, two against Michigan, and maybe one against Ohio State. I have to double check Michigan State's schedule. But uh, I'm going to take Illinois. I think that we've seen – Io take this team to a different level in the last week or so. Um, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. He said after the game against Minnesota, there's a different sense of urgency. And I think he recognizes that. And he's going to be by far the best player on the court on Tuesday night against Michigan State. And I know that Michigan State's got the length. Aaron Henry's got the build, the body to kind of upset Io, make things frustrating for Io. But uh, I'm going to take Illinois largely because I think Kofi's going to ball out. I think Kofi... They don't have anyone who can guard him in the paint. I think Kofi's going to be pretty impressive on the defensive end as well. And Michigan State bigs, if you want to call them that, aren't great outside shooters. Um, like we've seen with Ohio State, so obviously like EJ Odell and Kyle Young, they can both step out and shoot, or even Northwestern's Pete Nance. Um, now, that's no disrespect to Joey Hauser, but I don't think that he's going to be able to step out and hurt Kofi as much as some of those other bigs will. So I think Kofi could be a big reason why the Illini are able to uh, escape. East Lansing with a win and get their eighth straight in the Big Ten. All right, Brandon, before we get out of here, go ahead. You, will, you make a lot of very good points. You, you're saying a lot of smart things. I This is like a total gut feel thing because in no way, shape, or form do I or have I ever thought that these two rosters were comparable. So, no, you make a lot of good points, and I think there's a scenario where Illinois wins by 20 and I look like a fool. But, hey, that's the nature of the business, so <laughs> – We'll see. I, I, I do expect it to be close. I mean, I don't think Illinois is going to go on the road and beat a team by 15 plus two times in a row. I don't think in that's in with that being said, I think Minnesota is terrible. I don't think they're very good. And I clearly by what Mich- Michigan state's record says, I don't think they're very good either. And I don't think that's a very good hot. I don't think that's a hot take by any means either. Uh, but yeah, I just think that I was taking this team to a different level mentally. I think, what we've seen from Trent too in the last few games has been really impressive. Trent to me looks like he's on a different mental level. I always said, I forget what, I, what game did he say? No hesitation Trent after, but since that game, I mean, Trent's been much more aggressive looking for a shot more on offense. And that that's a key thing for Illinois. Like Trent Meacham said. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, before we wrap up, what do you have to plug for this upcoming busy week? Yeah, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Alec underscore Bussy. No special stories. There's going to be a lot of player grades coming out this week. Um, maybe I won't give out the grades <laughs> like I did last time on Twitter with a little gif of Oprah saying, you get an A, you get an A, you get an A. But everyone knew the grades for that game. Might try and write a feature story at some point this week, but uh, nothing too big. And what about you, Brandon? Yeah, you're going to be grading more than a college professor uh, during midterms <laughs> week. You, ha- you have a lot of grades to hand out this week. But I uh, – I actually have another preview to plug. It's like a preview 
feature e story. I I looked at Michigan State and Illinois over the last ten years, and you know this has been a crazy year, but. Illinois being in the top five and Michigan state being outside the top 10 in the big 10. That's, that's insane. That's wild. So I deep dove the stats on that. I talked to Brendan Quinn of the athletic who covers Michigan state who, you know, we, we might have on this podcast at a later point, but I talked to him about Michigan state and why they're struggling. And I think it'll still hold value even after the game. So if you don't get to it until Wednesday, definitely check that out. But yeah, that's all I have to plug for uh, Tuesday. And we should be back soon this week talking to Derek Piper. So that'll be exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited to get that second podcast and hopefully the Illini are able to provide us some entertaining games uh, the rest of this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a comment, whatever it may be. We appreciate all that stuff. So uh, have a good one. <laughs>